I'm Ro. And I'm Salem. Let's, Let's dive into the scary verse. Welcome back to the Scary Verse podcast. We are on episode four. And today we're going to be diving into the world of vampires. From ancient mythology to modern pop culture, these mythical creatures have fascinated people for centuries. So let's sink our teeth into this topic and explore the evolution of vampires. You know, I... I want to suck your blood. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what most people think of when they think of vampires is Mm -hmm. that classic Transylvanian accent and the... um, the, the sucking of the blood and all of that stuff. And I think you'll be interested in what we are going to talk about in this episode and our special guest. Yes, we are interviewing a special guest. Cannot wait. Yeah, you guys, I think you're really going to like this and enjoy what we have in store for this episode. I uh, am excited to dive right in sorry i'm putting down my cup of water because (laughs) i can't multitask um i have adhd you guys know this everybody knows this i have adhd i can't hold a cup of water and talk at the same time and apparently i also can't talk while i'm putting down my cup of water so but i have to stay hydrated the throat will hurt. Right. <laughs> we discovered very quickly over our first few episodes when we were recording that our throats get really dry really quickly and we need to like hydrate throughout the recording process. So you'll have to bear with us. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling people all of this. It has nothing to do with vampires. <laughs> Although a warm cup of blood. <laughs> yeah, might coat the throat just nice. Just saying. Okay, so the origins of vampires. Vampires have been around for a long time. In fact, the earliest known vampire legends date back to ancient Mesopotamia. (laughs) Something I meant to do before starting this episode was Googling how to say certain things because... Mesopotamia. From last time, we had words we couldn't... I know. We weren't sure. And I forgot to tell you that, like, from working in news and stuff, that um, they they Google pronunciations all the time um, (laughs) to make sure that they are pronouncing things right. And we were just like, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. These legends told of demons or spirits that preyed on the living and drank their blood. Over time, the vampire legend evolved in Europe during the Middle Ages. People believed that the dead could rise from their graves and attack the living. This fear was fueled by the spread of diseases like tuberculosis, which caused people to waste away and look like the undead. Yeah, so I know that they used to have, um, that in graveyards, they used to have somebody who would sit and watch the graves to make sure that people hadn't been buried alive. Um, and there was like bells. If you were really rich, you could get a bell attached to your grave and you could ring the bell. Um, and that's where you get the phrases graveyard shift Mm. and, um, 
the bell tolling and all that kind of thing. But I think a lot of that in European countries was manifested into these vampire stories because there were so now when somebody passes away, mm-hmm. usually you're taken to a hospital. A, a medical professional pronounces you dead. Mm-hmm. And before they can pronounce you dead, they have to do certain checks. They, you know, check to see if you have a pulse. They check to see if your heart is still beating. They check um, to see if your brain is still active. They hook you up to all these machines that are kind of modern day technology. Well, back in the day, people often had the doctor come to their homes. There's like one town doctor. They didn't know how to check to see if people had really died. Mm-hmm. And I think they probably did check their pulse, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Because like way back in the day, they didn't even know how the body worked because they didn't have access to things like x-rays and MRIs and stuff. They didn't know the information that they knew was like from people doing like illegal autopsies and stuff to like learn about the body. So they didn't really know how it actually functioned when it was alive. So, you know, I think they would check and see if people were still breathing, but sometimes you, when you're close to death and you're really, really sick, it, you can be like very slightly breathing. Like I think they used to hold like mirrors underneath people's Mm -hmm. noses to see whether or not there was breath. Yeah. Um, and people um, would be very, very, very sick and very close to death and not quite all the way dead. Maybe they'd be in a coma um, and they would think they were dead and they'd bury them alive. And it happened all the time. So when you get these stories of people rising from the dead, it's not always as scary as it sounds. I mean... Okay, so being buried alive, that's terrible. That's right. awful. But, like, when you're, if you were able to somehow, like, dig yourself up from, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> wow. I can't believe I just went on this whole entire rant. I mean, so. I think ADHD. <laughs> yeah. I think some of the fear comes from they would exhume some body. I think somehow some people got exhumed, and when they opened up, I think there was, like, what had happened, people would be accused of being vampires and being uh, zombies and et cetera, and they would dig them up, and um, they would look inside the coffin, and they would see, like, they would see evidence of the person still being alive. Oh, wow. Like, nail scratches on the inside of the coffin, or, um, you know, sometimes their eyes would be open because... Yeah, so usually they would have passed away from natural, well, unnatural cause. I don't know, like suffocation. Suffocation. Oh, God. Like, it's just the thought of it is mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I can't even. But that's where a lot of the origins for these stories came from, was that happening. Mm-hmm. And so I think at some point, because they couldn't explain it, they started um, staking people through the heart before they were buried in certain countries. Wow. Which is where you get the lore of vampires being able to be killed by a stake through the heart. 
So Bram Stoker's novel, Dracula, is one of the most famous vampire stories of all time. It introduced the character Count Dracula, a seductive and dangerous vampire from Transylvania. The novel was a huge success and helped establish Transylvania as a home of vampires. Today, the region is a popular tourist destination for vampire enthusiasts, which I found super interesting because I think like Bram Stoker's novel, Dracula, um, really inspired a lot of the modern day vampire stories. Mm-hmm. And there's even uh, almost like spinoffs that are um, directly influenced. There's so many reiterations of Dracula. Yeah, so many different variations. and Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think one of my favorites um, is Hotel Transylvania. I love that movie, um, and I can't wait until I have children to share it with, mm-hmm. because I think it's going to be one of those fun movies that I get to share around Halloween time, um, but I um, also really liked, there was um, a recent uh, a television series that the BBC did. I almost want to say it's just called Dracula. Anyway, it was really good. Um, but I also really, really, really enjoyed... Have you seen Renfield yet? Agent was watching it today. I was going to say they just added it a um, couple weeks ago onto Peacock. So it's available on there. I really enjoy what they did with that. Nicolas Cage plays Dracula. Um, and I love him. I think he's hilarious yeah what little bit i watched or saw before coming over here today was really funny and good and also i almost i almost made a status on facebook because i could have swore i heard melissa mccarthy and i look up and it was aquafina oh that's hilarious and then the more i listened to her the more i heard miley cyrus so i was like oh my gosh aquafina sounds like melissa mccarthy but also, oddly, Miley Cyrus and my husband did not agree. <laughs> That's funny. I feel like she's been in more and more stuff recently, mm-hmm. and I really she enjoy has. her as an actress. Yeah, um, I love Aquafina. I also feel like I can't not mention Jason Siegel and his uh, Dracula Muppet uh, musical that he wrote. <laughs> what? And he ha- he shares a little bit of that um Dracula uh, Muppet show in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. He sings one of the songs during like a outing with his little girlfriend and then towards the end of the movie he actually I feel like you're like, have I seen this freaking movie? But I don't think Forgetting I have. Sarah Marshall? Oh. Yeah. It's so cute. And he uh that was his screenplay. He wrote it. And anyways, recently in one of his interviews, he had mentioned possibly doing something with that Dracula uh, Muppet thing, but, you know, he didn't, like, he's not for sure about it. I think we all need to go to his Twitter or something and be like, Jason, get on it. I would love to see whatever he cooked up so on is that. Is that going to be like the Count from Sesame Street? I don't know. He's based on Dracula, right? 
That's a good question. Yeah, he's like one, two, three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what am I even doing? Um, but I think that leads us into some the vampires from popular culture. Yeah. So vampires have been a popular topic in literature, movies, and TV shows for decades. We touched on this a little bit um, already, but some of the most famous vampire stories include Interview with a Vampire. That's one of my favorites from childhood. uh, Twilight and True Blood. I love True Blood as well. Um, These stories often portray vampires as seductive and dangerous creatures with the ability to hypnotize and control their victims. They're also often associated with romanticism and forbidden love. Yeah, I mean, I have always really enjoyed the vampire genre. I really like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's what I kind of grew up watching. Yep, same. Um, and my everybody was like, I love Angel. He's so romantic and dark and broody. That was <laughs> hated Angel. I thought he was a whiny little bleep. <laughs> Spike was my favorite. <laughs> oh my gosh, Spike is hilarious. And I thought Buffy was such a badass. Now, are we talking about the movie or are you talking about the TV show with Sarah Michelle Gellar? The TV show with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh, okay. I was talking about the movie mm. from back. Yeah, so like I watched the movie, but like way after I watched the television series. Because the television series was out while I was growing up, but the movie had been like... It was, like, early 90s, I want to say, late 80s. I think late 80s, early 90s. Um, and that had, uh, um, what is her name? I can't think of it, but off the top of my head, but I have re-watched Buffy recently and looked her up, because I think she was... She wasn't in very much. So she was actually in um, a few episodes of one of my fiancé, Jonathan, and my favorite television show that we watched a lot together, Psych. So it's like a comedy show. It was on USA. Yeah, Dajan really likes Psych. Ugh, it is like, we love it. Anyway, um, they did an episode that was a, a vampire episode, and she was in that episode, and then she became a recurring ca- character after that. But I always thought it was really smart that they had her in that episode. Yeah, I haven't um, seen that one. Oh my god, it's my favorite one. It's so good. Um, and uh, it has um, Corey Feldman in it. Is that the right one? Yeah, Corey Heim passed away. A yeah, long I was time like, too. is that the one that died or is the other one? I can't ever remember because of Corey's. <laughs> yeah. But, um, which they both have been in vampire movies together as well. Yeah, that's why they have him, them, like, they, oh, okay. they made a lot of, like, references to 80s movies and stuff like that, and they which, got so many guest stars. To come to mention, come to mention what? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, The Lost Boys is one of my favorite I love vampire the Lost Boys. adaptations. Yeah, I absolutely love The Lost Boys, but... Um, yeah, so I grew up watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and um, I tried to watch True Blood, but I just couldn't. So I didn't watch True Blood when it was originally on TV. I watched it years down the line, Yeah. Um, and I started watching it because my husband had told me that he had watched the whole thing and really liked it, so I did go ahead and watch it. Like, I binged it in just probably, like, a month, and 
I loved it. I've been thinking about re-watching it recently because, and he started to re-watch it recently and then got bored with it. But yeah, I really like True Blood and I like the, um, they have fairies in that as well. Huh. And, uh, yeah, I... I've tried watching it multiple times now because so many people have told me it's so good and they love it and they're into it. And I, I feel like it's a, a show that I should be into, but I'm just, I just can't yes. get into it. I don't know what my deal is with it, but maybe I'll try it again because... Sookie Sackhouse is, comes to, turns out to be a fairy and uh, her love interest is vampire... Um, is his name Bill, or is that his name in real life? I can't remember. I was going to say, isn't it Bill? So I feel like it's Bill. Okay. And they are married in real life. Huh. I thought that was really sweet. I think they may be met on the show as well. Interesting. I was going to say, Interview with a Vampire. Um, I have never read the book, but I bought it recently because I plan to read it. I actually bought it because we were going on a trip, and I was going to read it on the trip, um, and I never got around to reading it. But I bought it, and I bought the second book in the series um, by Anne Rice, uh, The Vampire Lestat. And I am really wanting to read them because of the television series that was recently on AMC, and I absolutely loved it. And they're also doing a television. I haven't watched it yet. I know I need to. What is I need to. wrong with you? Because <laughs> I love the movie. So I, I most definitely am interested in watching the TV show. You're going to have to watch it immediately. Um, <laughs> so I don't like the movie. Oh, you don't like the movie? No, I can't stand it. I can't stand... I I, I really like Kirsten Dunst as an actress. Me too. But I really didn't like her and in Brad that role. Pitt. <laughs> um, Brad Pitt's okay. <laughs> Tom Cruise annoys the absolute F out of me. Yeah, I couldn't stand Tom Cruise. But Brad Pitt and Kirsten Dunst, like, and it's been a long time since I've watched this movie. I need to rewatch it, and I, I most definitely do need to watch the series. And the series is so good, and I, I really like the changes that they made because I feel like they make sense, and I feel like it's a lot more brutal, mm-hmm. which I feel like you need when you're talking about the types of things that these vampires were doing because I don't feel like it really hit in the movie but I know a lot of people who are fans of the book and fans of the movie really enjoyed the series so you need to watch it and what's that one um I'm drawing a blank of what it's called but that it's Quentin Tarantino and he if I say it right Quentin Tarantino Quentin Tarantino yeah Tarantino and he plays in it as well he Um, does in most of his movies yeah okay duh I sound like such a ding-dong, but what is that one called? The vampire one that he's in? Why can I not think of it? (laughs) I'm about to go ask Jonathan. He's in the other room. It's one of my favorite movies, and then it's a TV series as well, and I really liked the uh, series and the way that they changed that and everything. (laughs) I can't. I'm going to go ask him. Hold on. He'll know. We'll be back after this break. Okay, I'm such a ding-dong. From Dusk Till Dawn is yeah. a Quentin Tarantino movie that I could not, for the life of me, Like the second remember. that I got up to leave the room to go ask um, my fiancé 
she remembered the day, but I was like, I knew that. Why? Yeah, brain fart to the max. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Happens. Wow. All right. They're so, probably screaming at their phones or their wherever they're listening. It's from dusk till dawn, you exactly. ding dong. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, speaking of interview with the vampire. We got the chance to talk to a real life vampire this week. Yeah. And we have the interview for you. That is our special guest. Vampire Jack. Vampire Jack. Oh my gosh. And let me tell y'all, he is so freaking sweet and enchanting and funny. And I was so excited to get the chance to talk with him. I am so excited that he agreed to this interview and that he was willing to be on our podcast um, because he's huge on TikTok and he is an author as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I am just really glad that he had the time in his schedule to make this happen. So do you think he was really as charming as... I thought, or was he just glamoring us? <laughs> You're such a dork. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, real life vampires are a pretty interesting topic. Um, so, while most vampires are mostly a work of fiction, there are real-life people who identify as vampires, and Vampire Jack is one of them. Yep. Um, these people believe that they need to consume blood or energy to survive, and some even believe that they have psychic abilities. So, I, there's different types of vampires and vampirism, and some people believe different things, so... Um, it kind of depends on who you are as a person and what you believe. Right. Which is how all of us are, really. So yep. they aren't so different from us. Um, and while these beliefs may seem unusual, they're an important part of vampire subculture. And we will get to learn more about that in our segment with Jack. Absolutely. So our first question is, could you explain a little bit about how you discovered you were a vampire? Of course, absolutely. I'd be more than happy to. When I was a kid, when I was about seven years old, was when I had my, what we call it in the vampire community, our awakening experience. Um, I don't really go into the full, like, tick for tick breakdown because in the vampire community we do have our we do have our laws we actually do we have a code of ethics etc and within the vampire community there's something called a sympathetic vampire and a sympathetic vampire is somebody that when you are explaining all these things when you're going into gratuitous detail can hear these things and actually have a similar effect but it isn't actually uh, real it isn't a real experience and it is temporary so it can be very confusing and very jarring for somebody um, but what I can say is that when I was seven years old I had this in, this moment where every, the world kind of went from this to this and um, it just I just always knew like it was an instant not knowing what it was that I was, that I wasn't, that I didn't feel human, that I did not feel normal, 
and that a lot of the instincts and kind of energies that were surrounding me were not, you know, usual, the usual situation. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really how I discovered it. You know, I was, I was very into vampires, obviously. So there is a possibility that the imagery, vampiric imagery, the idea of it kind of jogged my memory and kind of brought me out of it. Like so many of us, uh, experience as well. Okay. That's interesting to know because, um, like when we think of vampires, we obviously think of what's portrayed in popular culture, mm -hmm. film and television and that kind of thing. So it's very interesting that um, it was completely different from what you hear about yeah. and what people outside oh, yes. of the vampire community hear about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, abs absolutely. It's, uh, it is very different. There's always that kind of, um, that, that uh immediate thought to the hollywood vampire to vampire novels and fiction you know this idea of like the eternal kiss and this mm -hmm. you know dark embrace but the the truth is definitely much different than the fiction for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure um and so i know that in um some cases some other vampires believe that people are um, turned from humans into vampires and obviously you believe that um, you're born a vampire um, I was wondering if you could explain some of like the difference between the different types of communities absolutely 100% I would love to so um, there are many different types of vampires uh, there are you have your psychic vampires which a lot of them feel that they are born with an energetic wound to their subtle body right you have you know your your normal human right and they have their normal energy so the idea is if the body can get sick why can't the spirit why can't the soul get sick so with these psychic vampires a lot of them feel that because of this wound they need to kind of uh supplement with external energies in order to feel well in order to be whole then you have i can't go into, into I, too much detail with some of the other ones because i honestly don't know it to the the depth that to explain them but then you have um uh the accessions which is an other can experience that is based off of ancient egyptian practices Yes, ancient Egyptian vampires is very, very interesting. You have um, the occult vampires, which is more kind of based off, off of vampire magic or predatory spirituality, which um, you would call like uh, draconian, draconian vampire magic. Um, and then there's just your base uh, vampire magic that most practitioners could learn, could learn to use as well. Okay. That's super interesting, just that there's so many different yeah, I, types. Until, um, you know, delving into the research a little bit on vampires, because I didn't even know that there were so many communities, it's interesting to learn all of the different types. Yeah, I didn't know either. I had seen a couple of things on, like, the Travel Channel, and obviously that's not the best source of information. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
of course, of course. Um, what's even more fascinating is that within these these subsects, within these different types of vampires, there are also houses and guilds and covens, and that all follow their own kind of view of what their specific type um, kind of lean towards. It's it's there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of different vampires out there. It's pretty interesting. Absolutely, most definitely is, is interesting. interesting. Um, so, speaking of and going back to the popular culture a little bit, do you enjoy consuming media that portrays portrays vampires, and uh, do you also have a favorite fictional vampire? Absolutely. Um, There are a lot of, see this is great, there are a lot of real life living vampires who actually do get offended by the pop culture vampire, the vampire novel, the romantic view. Um, But uh, me on my end, I love vampire fiction. I absolutely love it. I think it does nothing but paint vampires in a very romantic kind of sense. And you know, I, I think it's, I actually think it's a good thing. Can it make it a little confusing for other people? Absolutely. Especially when you start saying, well, that's all fiction, but there is a real life version of that. People are like, well, do you turn to a bat? <laughs> do, are you garlic? So, so I'm like, holy, holy water though. And um, so that's where it can get a little messy. And my favorite vampire, my favorite vampire, hands down, I have to go with the more known one, because the one that I want to name is not very known, um, would be Alucard from the anime Helsing, if you've ever heard of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I've heard of that, but I haven't watched any of it. Or I mean, there's so many different like <sighs> so variations many. of that one as well. So I, uh, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen that one either. Um, my favorite vampire, fictional vampire, is Bill Compton. <laughs> Bill, Bill, that, I'm like, okay, why not Eric? <laughs> oh my gosh, so I really like Eric too, but um, I, I don't know, I, I think it's the whole like Southern thing, like he really, okay. you would, I don't think that you or most people would assume that he's a vampire, I don't know. Uh, okay. And, and I really like I, I like the love story between him and Sookie Sackhouse, so <laughs> That's fair, that's fair. You know, I do an impression of Bill. Oh, let me hear yeah. it. Do you want to hear it? Go. Yes. Sookie is mine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it so much. You just made her day. You have no idea. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I had to. The moment you said Bill, I was like, oh, I have to. I have to. <laughs> I personally um, am more of a Buffy the Vampire Slayer Spike girl, but... <laughs> oh, Spike all the way. Spike is amazing. I love Spike. Yeah, he's awesome. Not so much as of a wuss as Angel. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I agree. Um, so I know that you're a best-selling author and your books are available on Amazon. Can you tell us about your work? Absolutely, yes. Um, I have two uh, best-selling poetry anthologies out right now. They are Blood and Roses and Death and Lilies. They are poetry books about the macabre side side of life. They are about trauma, about real life, really relatable trauma. They are about dark passion, romance, and um, there are some other, other ones in there that are just for wholesome sakes as well, and horror. There are some horror ones in there, too. 
Sounds, sounds, yeah, sounds up right up our alley. I so. feel like I'm going to go buy it right now, to be honest. <laughs> that would be amazing. And then I'm also working on right now, it is just done, just done and ready for pre-order within the next month. My first novel that wow. I have ever written. Yes. And I'm oh, very, that's exciting. very, very excited. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I've always been interested in writing a novel that I know I don't have like the uh, patience or the commitment to do yeah, it. <laughs> I, I've been interested in writing my whole life. Um, I mentioned to Row in one of our other sh- uh, podcast shows that I want to possibly do like a short story book that's based off of my nightmares. <laughs> so that's very interesting. Why am I laughing? That's very cool. Thank you. Night. We we had a whole episode on nightmares, and um, the like science behind nightmares is really interesting. So, oh, fast! I have to check it out then. Definitely. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. So this one, I think you kind of already went over, but um, through our research, we found that there are several types of vampires. Could you explain those to our audience and tell us which one you align with? Yes, the one that I align with is the uh, accession, the the um, the basics basis of off of ancient Egyptian um, vampiric culture. Um, it is the worship of the goddess Aset, and it okay. is the belief that our souls are not entirely human; that we our soul is the vampiric entity. Um, there is. It, it gets very, very interesting because unlike most psychic vampires, right, it is instead of this idea of having a wound to having a wound to the energetic body, it is the idea that our souls give off too much energy so we are forced that our bodies can't contain it. So we're constantly burning off this energy and to make up for the difference, we have to take energy from an external source. That makes sense. Yeah. That actually like sounds reasonable yeah (laughs) sorry (laughs) i don't know why i said reasonable like that oh it's okay (laughs) (laughs) um what do you think the most important thing um is that our audience should understand about real life vampires in their communities oh simple very simple um the understanding that we are just here we are practitioners, we are your peers, your neighbors. We are more like you than you probably realize. In mm-hmm. fact, most real life living vampires, you would you probably pass one or two every once in a while, more often than you probably realize. And uh, you probably wouldn't know it unless you were very energetically sensitive. We just want to exist. That makes Absolutely. a ton of sense. And yeah. I feel like we kept saying when we were doing our research on vampires in the vampire community that it's really just a culture that we didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. just like <laughs> learning about a different culture. And we kind of feel like we became sociologists learning about. <laughs> and we were just talking in one of our last episodes about uh, psychic abilities and whether or not we believe in that. And I do very much and i feel and have been told like by my mom because she also believes in um possessing how would you say that ability yeah um so i believe that i do have psychic 
abilities as well as I, they were passed down to me from my mom. Oh, that is so interesting. So I, that yeah, I find it really interesting that, you know, you've mentioned that a few times already in this, you know, interview. So I'm like, yeah. wow, that's that that, is really cool. That is interesting, yeah. um, especially because you were asking whether or not there are people out there who might be vampires who don't know they are. That is a very good question. So I had mentioned the awakening process. I had mentioned that I awakened when I was seven years old. Mm -hmm. That is within the community a rarity. And while it sounds like it would make uh, you like a special snowflake or, oh, you get special it's actually a really hard, hard, it's a much harder time. It's a much harder experience because it's very confusing. Most vampires though, most don't actually know that they're vampires yet because the most common type of vampire is, a, is what we call the latent awakener. And that is somebody that awakens later in life. These people can awaken between the ages of late teens to some, some vampires have awakened when they were 50, 60 years old. Oh, wow. I was yeah. going to ask that question too. So you already asked, answered that question for me because I was wondering how old can someone be for that process to happen? Right, so. yeah. For sure. Okay, which one are we at? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> this one. This one. Okay. Oh yeah, I was I was very excited about this question. So, do other vampires get upset with you for being so vocal and open about um, this uh, sort of hidden facet of society? I okay. I love this question. I love this question. Um, see, it's interesting because the idea that, uh, you know, it's almost like I'm with stat. I'm stepping out of the shadows and right. I'm going, come out, come out wherever you are. But the truth of the matter is we've been here. <laughs> we've been here for a while. And a lot of us have just kind of gone silent because of the fear of persecution. Me stepping forward and kind of into the light to go, no, no, we're, we're here. We are absolutely still here. We are still thriving and doing our best to take care of our communities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I have only gotten positivity. I've had a lot of people reach out to me. I've had a lot of vampires reach out to me and be like, thank you. Thank you so much for giving us a voice again. And I've had those that have um, been through for their process of awakening and were confused go, oh, I understand what this is. I understand what I'm going through. You've really, really, really helped me. So, so far, it's been nothing but positivity. Once in a while, I'll get the random person that's just kind of like, you're exposing us all. What are you doing? And I'll, I'll just kind of be like, Dude, I, I'm, I'm like, there are plenty of other real life vampires that have been there before me. I'm, I'm just the newest one. <laughs> right. That is really cool. And I'm glad to hear that because I was, both of us were wondering if there was going to be more of the ones that were feeling like you were exposing yeah. your, you know, everything. So that is really nice to hear that it's mostly positive. Yeah. It's been a good time. That's great. Um, and so kind of along those lines, um, do you think there's a stigma around considering yourself a vampire and how has that affected you personally? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely there is a stigma. Are you kidding? It is a one of the reasons that so many real-life living vampires don't come out of the shadows, that don't come to the light to go, hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, is because of the immediate persecution, the immediate invalidation of your their experiences. It is... I guess that also comes back to the question 
of uh, do you get offended by the Hollywood vampires, right? Mm -hmm. Because because of the Hollywood vampires and because of that kind of um, cultural, that pop culture, uh, more people are quicker to put that down because the immediate the immediate thought that they have is, oh, a cave, you turn into a bad, you're immortal, oh, you're undead, all these things. So they're not looking to the spiritual, the spiritual practice and the spiritual experience. They're looking to the superstition and the fiction. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense um, because I even doing research for this, it was like um, a lot of people were talking about like the psychological aspect of the vampire community and that kind of thing and there wasn't a lot of information out there on like how people who are actually in the communities are actually feel and that that's kind of one of the reasons why we really wanted to do this interview because we wanted to make sure that we were giving somebody in the community a voice and not just talking about stuff we don't understand <laughs> absolutely well, it's super appreciated it's so appreciated honestly um and you know i think that a lot of us you know we we do face persecution we do kind of you know when i do my live streams it's i get a lot of people that are very confused about what this is coming in going like oh my gosh fake 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 all, mm -hmm. of, all of that stuff um but i i i'm of the mind that when that stuff happens and with you know the naysayers doubters etc 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 my first thought is well of course they do. They've seen movies. That's what they. That's the only mm -hmm. exposure that they've had. They don't understand that there's an actual community, which is why I really go. My main goal when I'm doing my lives or I'm talking about the subject of being a real life and vampire is to educate, and I think it is extremely important. <laughs> so thank you. You're welcome. Um, so that also brings me into our next question and. You've maybe kind of already answered it, but are you ever concerned about your safety as a vampire? Like out in you, society? You know, you know, there are moments when I think about it, when I when I kind of like, you know, wall it over. I do have generalized anxiety though. I actually do. So that we is both experience anxiety. anxiety as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have my moments where I'm like, oh God, is this gonna, you know, is somebody gonna, you know, but the, 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 what I've gotten is so much positivity, um, that it's, it's not really something that genuinely concerns me. Um, so not, not really, I'm not, not like genuinely worried or concerned. I mean, at the end of the day, we do live in a human society right. with human laws and um if there was like a vampire hunter society or ooh, these kinds of things you know there are legal ramifications at the end of the day we are people and protected by the law absolutely that really covers what we were concerned about because mm -hmm. when we were talking about it we were like well is there vampire hunters because yeah. that's what you see <laughs> I mean, you see Van Van Helsing and Buffy and <laughs> Van Helsing. <laughs> uh, no, we the um, 
vampire hunters for the most part are superstition or they were considered vampire hunters back in the day with the depending on what culture their cultural background they had of course because vampires also come from a lot of superstition you know someone will have um so uh, like some strange situations with like a corpse or you know or a grave is disturbed and people go missing and the there will be one guy that's just like well i'm a vampire hunter i can take care of this and you know but it's mostly fiction okay that's good to hear that is good (laughs) to hear um, and so when we were doing our research, um, I had read that um, some real life vampires do actually feed on blood. And I know that not everyone does, but the ones that do seem to have employed medical professionals to assist them with curating a safe product from their willing donors. And it's nothing like is portrayed in film and television where you see unwilling victims. But could you explain to our audience some of the rules that vampires have to abide by? Absolutely, yes. Um, the rules that vampires have to abide by are very simple. I mean, think about human society. They're very similar. But the main ones that are very specifically vampiric are you cannot feed um, without consent. Consent is a gigantic part of the vampire community. We, we very much, when you have a donor, it is a very sacred thing. So the the idea of taking energy uh taking from whether it be uh saying sai tantra anything in between it is always met with consent and the donor's comfort and safety um and that is what is most most important always um yes Okay, good. That's that's good to know because I feel like that's like the biggest thing that people think of when they think of vampires is like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, feeding on blood and attacking and things. And I feel like that's like the biggest hurdle to overcome when you're like telling people yeah. about real life vampires mm-hmm. is like, no, that's not. And then there's not. been <laughs> celebrities out there yeah. who have sort of, I don't know, joked about being vampires. Like there was the whole Angelina Jolie uh... and Billy Bob Thornton thing and then... Now modern day Billy Bob Thornton and Angelina Jolie is Megan Fox and MGK. So I don't know. Yes. It's just <laughs> right. I, I feel like they can uh, confuse people sometimes. That that's you know it's. Do I know if they're vampires? I don't know if they're vampires. I actually don't know. That's that's for them. I've never met them in person. I've never paid much attention to it or mm-hmm. seen if there was any energetic pull or anything like that. Um, but I can understand why it would be very confusing, especially with the way that it's portrayed, the idea of sinking your fangs into someone's neck, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, such a practice, such an idea of using your fangs to do anything like that or biting just in general is unsafe for the person you would do that to which is why when it comes to anything that would be saying etc there would be a medical professional or anything like that and and nothing to the amount that would be assumed but that is the the other thing is that saying which is you know blood feeders etc etc um a lot of them tend to make the change to learning how to take get their energy from a psychic source getting it more in a pranic sense using various energetic techniques that are akin to reiki etc 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 because we live in a modern age and the modern age has bloodborne diseases bloodborne illnesses etc 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 and just safety practices you know nothing is 
perfect. So it's much easier at the end of the day to just go, well, this can get me what I, what I need more consistently and more safely. Okay. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. And that's like good that people are considering their safety when they're doing these things. And Absolutely. Um, and not at all what a great deal of what people think. So I think it's good. I, I, like you've already mentioned that a lot of what you are doing is to educate people. So I feel like this is, you know, going to be bringing a lot of things to light that a lot of people didn't know. I agree. Um, and is there anything else that you think is important that our audience know about either you or the vampire community, or if you just want to take this time to promote yourself, that's also cool. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, other things to note about the vampire community. Um, yeah, we're just here. We're here. Um, you probably cross a vampire that you probably have not known it was a vampire. Don't freak out. It's not what you think. <laughs> You're not going to be whisked away into the night. Um, and you probably have never been fed off of or anything like that because consent is extremely, extremely important. But uh, we just want to exist. We want to be able to practice what we practice, be able to talk about our spirituality when we feel comfortable enough, and to live without persecution as much as we're able to. But um, with that said, hi, I'm the Vampire Jack Townsend. You can find me on TikTok. You can find me on Instagram, YouTube, and anywhere that uh, social media exists. You can find my books on Amazon, Google, Google Play, iTunes, Kobo, and Barnes and & Noble. And um, well, I would like you to know that I personally, and I think I speak for Roe as well when I say this, that we are happy to exist with you yes. and other vampires. <laughs> yeah, it's Thank been you. a learning experience and for sure. And now that I know that the community is there, I'm happy that they're there. I'm mm -hmm. not like worried about it. Or <laughs> yeah, I've always had like a very... Uh, like we've both been very interested in vampires throughout our life. So we were very excited to be doing this episode and we're very happy and excited that you agreed to do this interview with us. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. And just Of course, so I'm so happy. Believe it or not, there are people all over the world who identify as vampires. They often gather in online communities or at events and conventions to share their experiences and beliefs. Some of these people drink blood or consume energy to feel more alive. Others simply identify with the vampire mythos and enjoy the aesthetic and lifestyle that comes with it. Yeah, and um, like, I feel like we've mentioned this multiple times now, it really um, depends on the individual person as mm -hmm. to what they believe and how they live this lifestyle. You know, some of this has been studied by psychologists and um, sociologists even because they study cultures and subcultures and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and it's very interesting that people live their life this way. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think it can, can also be a little bit dangerous for them yeah um, so I th think it's important to mention that um, the people who do believe in drinking blood um, often do this with the help of medical professionals
professionals. Mm -hmm. They don't just go out and bite people. (laughs) Um, I know, I know, I know it's, I like, it's, it's funny, but these people are not out there harming people. Right. A lot of them have willing donors who donate their blood to them and they do that with the help of a medical professional. They don't just, um, you know, harm people because in, in movies and television and books even, right. The, the vampire always bites the neck. So that would be the, the artery there. Um, your main artery. Shit, what's the name of it? Oh, the, um... I feel like this is something that people talk about all the time, and now that the, that I'm trying to talk about it, I can't remember the name of it, but it's, like, your main artery. Um, whatever. I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue. It's on the tip of my tongue, too. I'll remember it later, and then we'll edit it in. <laughs> <laughs> and edit that out. And edit that right the fuck out. Um, but... Those arteries and stuff, if you were to bite into those arteries, you would kill the people. And these vampires are not interested in killing people. They just want to, um, you know, they want to supplement their uh, their life energies. And right, they, they believe that they have to have the blood to survive. So it's something that they wish they could change sometimes. And mm-hmm. they wish that they didn't have to do this because... Uh, there's a lot of bloodborne diseases, HIV, uh, you know, um, there's other ones. <laughs> HIV is a big one, guys. I <laughs> don't know what to tell you. There are other ones. Um, right. And so they have to be careful with who they select. There's a lot of screening processes. There's a lot of waivers that are signed. It's a legal process. The, get these medical professionals involved I was reading um and uh and some of them um kind of look down on the ones that are just kind of like just enjoying like the uh the aesthetic and lifestyle ones which I thought was crazy because I feel like you know it's just interesting to me Uh, So the vampire subculture is more than just drinking blood. It's a whole way of life. From the clothes they wear to the music that they listen to, everything is designed to create a dark and mysterious atmosphere. And many vampire communities have their own rituals and traditions, including the exchange of blood and the creation of vampire families. So that's also interesting to me as well, because all of the different people live vampirism in different ways. Right. And so I think one of the things I've always found really fascinating just like in life is learning about other people's cultures and what other people believe. And I like to be respectful of that. And I like to learn um, about them. I don't like to make assumptions and I don't make fun of people. I don't, um, you know, I don't presume to know everything about being a vampire or even doing the research for this episode you know, I went from, oh, that's a psychiatric disorder to, oh, wow, no, this is a lifestyle. People, they're not really harming people. They're not. Yeah, that was pretty much um, for me when I was doing my research as well uh, and learning in the, you know, like I didn't even quite realize that it was 
considered a subculture and lifestyle. Yeah. So there are thousands of real life vampires in the world, mm-hmm. which is crazy because you don't hear about them because it, it is there's such a stigma, and it is very difficult for these people to be out in the open right. about this, which is why I think it's so brave that Jack allowed us to interview him. Absolutely. And really cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think he's very well-spoken and very eloquent about the vampire lifestyle. And I think that he, the education that he brings to this lifestyle really goes a long way to kind of preventing some of that stigma. I agree. So the future of vampires, as our world becomes more connected, vampire communities are growing and evolving. Some people are drawn to the vampire subculture because they feel like outsiders in mainstream society. Others are simply fascinated by the idea of living forever. Whatever the reason, the vampire community is here to stay. And I, for one, am happy to hear that. Yeah. I I think it's, you know, not what people think that it is because I feel like I feel like I keep saying that throughout this episode. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. But I I really feel like I had a certain perception of it. And then learning about it through this episode, I've really been able to change my mind and change change my outlook on it. Um, like, I, I when I first heard that people are drinking real human blood, I was like, that's really um, irresponsible. Right. Because there are a lot of blood-borne diseases and stuff. And then when I learned about, like, the medical professionals and um, the willing donors, the medical testing and screenings that these people go through, and the fact that they don't just, you know, do this on their own in their own private homes, it's something that's provided to them. Mm. Um, And then some of them don't even drink blood. So, very interesting. It is. So that's it for today's episode of the Vampireverse. We hope you've enjoyed learning about the world of vampires and their communities. If you have any thoughts or experiences with vampires, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at scaryversepodcast at gmail.com or you can go to our website, thescaryversepodcast.com and there's a contact section there that will get that will loop right to our email. Yeah. Until next time, stay dark and mysterious. Bye. Bye.